Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Alexis the Midwife. And I'm Becky the Doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. And if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Acast, iTunes and Spotify and follow us over on Instagram. So pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, get comfy and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today, we are joined by none other than the Yes Mum Mum herself, Holly DeCruz. Holly is a mother, author, speaker creator of the Yes Mum range of affirmation cards, hypnobirthing teacher and general all-round wise woman. Thanks for coming and joining us today, Holly. How are you doing, lovely? <laughs> well, that's a hell of an intro. <laughs> How am I going to live up to that? that was, that's, that's a lot, isn't something. it? <laughs> it is a lot. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> Thank you, though. It's lovely to be chatting with you. Let's start. Obviously, you know, Lecky and I are a midwife and doula. So we love to start with, tell us about your pregnancies and births. How were they both? They were different. So they were eight years apart. So I think that inevitably makes them different, doesn't it? So my first um, pregnancy was with Oscar, who is my eldest. So he's 10 this year. So that was back in 2010. And that was a completely unplanned, unexpected pregnancy. I was 24 didn't have any frame of reference for pregnancy really which I think really affects your experience Um, I didn't have any friends with babies Mm. Um, I just had never been around babies or pregnant women so it was I felt well and truly in at the deep end and the first half of my pregnancy was probably a head in the sands approach and (laughs) you know this isn't really happening and then the kind of realization that I had I was going to be a mother um, set in and that I was going to have to give birth and that just terrified me absolutely terrified me and what I'd ignored to start with I think when you you start getting that bump it it starts to become real doesn't it and you think yeah. oh god I'm actually going to have to do this and I took a slightly peculiar approach of going onto YouTube and typing in horrific birth videos so I yeah I did better the Um, devil you know I yeah kind (laughs) of I mean I definitely wouldn't recommend that to anyone it you know it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't the most positive way to approach things but I kind of just wanted to know the worst possible thing that could happen Mm. and then anything that was better than that was a bonus that was my that was very much my mindset 
and, and I didn't want to be shocked. I'd rather mm. I'd rather have felt prepared for any eventuality. Anyway, um, my partner at the time said, you know, I don't think this is necessarily the best way we, we could be preparing. And he was a bit older and had friends with kids. And he said, you know, I, sh- I think you should speak to one of my friends because she had a really good birth. I was like, what even is that? And I spoke to this friend of his and she said, yeah, I had, it was great. It was like romantic and peaceful and calm. I thought, what? What birth? (laughs) And she said, yeah, it was great. We did hypnobirthing. And I kind of immediately wrote it off. You know, they were vegetarian. I thought, yeah, of course they did hypnobirthing. (laughs) And um, thought that's definitely not for me. No offence to any vegetarians listening. Um, So I said, well, I'm not doing that. And my partner said, you know, I think we should. And he actually booked us onto a course. And I said, okay, I'll go to the first class. But if we have to hold hands with anyone or sing anything, <laughs> like I'm out. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> and so I went along. And it's funny now being a hypnobirthing teacher. I mean, the irony when I it's get such pe- full circle, isn't it's it? Such for you? Full circle. Because but it's, when I, it's funny hearing this, knowing you. So. Yeah, I mean, I was just the most skeptical person. I was the person that I always dread walking into my class who sits there with her arms folded and like rolling their eyes. <laughs> That was totally me. But within probably half an hour, my eyes were well and truly opened. And I realised I was actually learning about birth for the first time ever. I knew nothing about Mm. it. And I think that is one of the biggest problems in pregnancy and birth, that you just don't really have any kind of solid, empowering education around it at any point in your life. You're left to rely on what, what you see on TV or what your friends or family tell you, um, rather than actual proper education around it so that really changed my pregnancy and from that point I really enjoyed it I was looking forward to giving birth Um, I stopped watching horrific birth videos Um, (laughs) and then I planned a home birth and uh, my labour started at home and then it was just a really slow labour like probably a very classic first labour I was kind of niggling a lot my waters hadn't released I was having surges or contractions but kind of few and far between and midwives kept coming out to me at home and it was in 2010 when we had that really heavy snowfall that December oh yes I remember the midwife coming and saying you know this is maybe the third time she'd come and she said look you might want to think about transferring in because there's more snow due overnight we might not be able to get to you have a think about and she wasn't being pushy she was she was great and she she just kind of said have a think about what you want to do and so we talked about it and we decided it would be best to go in because there was so much snow and when we went in we went into a lovely room with a pool but I think I really wanted to be at home and I was really Uh, gutted to be in hospital and everything just kind of ground to a halt I ended up going on the drip and just still wasn't progressing because I just didn't feel that relaxed Mm. so I wasn't it wasn't stressful I was I was quite kind of happy with with how I was doing but nothing was really progressing yeah um I mean god it's hard to remember actually it's weird isn't it that feels like such a lot it's a decade ago but it ended up that I think what happened is that he put his chin he put his head up basically and he was just creating this kind of swelling in my cervix but nothing could happen he was just stuck (laughs) Um, Mm. and I couldn't progress anymore he couldn't come down anymore so it was an emergency c-section and that was actually amazing it was a really positive experience and and it was bizarre because I remember afterwards when I was in recovery a midwife coming around and saying 
you know, would you like to, we can debrief on your experience because it was obviously quite traumatic. And I remember thinking it wasn't at all. It was joyous. It was, and then it, because I kind of felt sad that I hadn't got to use the hypnobirthing. And it was at that moment where I thought, oh, I have. Mm -hmm. Because she obviously thought that what I've been through is traumatic. And I thought it was quite enjoyable. So, (laughs) So it kind of clicked to me that, okay, so that's what hypnobirthing is. that's what it is it's feeling like a participant in your experience it's feeling part of the decision making process it's feeling empowered in knowing what your options are in being able to say yes and no that's what Mm. hypnobirthing is to me so actually that birth i think if i'd had a home birth i wouldn't have been a hypnobirthing teacher that's so interesting yeah Yeah, it really really because it wasn't what I got from it wasn't Mm. what I expected of hypnobirthing the whole message was you know have a home birth don't Mm. have pain relief don't have intervention that's very much what I heard from it at the time and this was a long time ago I think it has evolved but it was that when I held Oscar and I was in recovery and the midwife said that I thought okay I can add something to this Mm. this Mm. you know there's more to this than what people expect or are being sold and so that then informed the next decade of my life, I guess. Which is amazing. And that's yeah, when totally. I first met you, obviously, many moons ago now. Yeah. We met through work. Yeah, we did. And I remember kind of, I, I was like saying to Barney, I'm going to go meet this hypnobirthing teacher. And at the time, it was still quite new. And, yeah. I, was, and I did the eye roll and thought, because obviously a lot of my training was very clinical and it's, yeah. you know, body work. And I had, a ve- I had an expectation of what you would be like. And obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised when we met and you were very real and it's because it's very different isn't it when you teach something and then when you've um seen when births don't go to plan and they yeah. don't actually and, and you can't over promise mm. to women because yeah. it is the most unpredictable thing in the world and I loved that that element you brought in to your hypnobirthing and the same when I met yeah. Lecky you know I yeah. was like yes because it was like you both teach you can use this in any situation yeah. and, and, and I actually loved that. it's almost that what you're teaching becomes irrelevant and it's what you're doing for the woman that mm. is, yeah. is the thing that unites you, that we are trying to put you at the centre of your experience to empower you to really make sure you're informed and that you feel confident in asserting yourself and advocating for yourself. Those are the things mm-hmm. that regardless mm. of what it is you're teaching or the service you're providing, it's that approach, isn't it? Yeah, mm. absolutely. That is um, important. I agree. But with both you and and Becky and I talk about this loads, like there are so many variables when it comes to birth and we do, you know, the day of the birth and how it pans out, how it unfolds. And we do women such a disservice, over-promising, under-delivering, she used delivering as the term, but like, and I remember actually back in the noughties, so back in like 2004, 2005, when I was doing my midwifery training, I remember women coming on the ward and I remember us having handover at the nurse's station in the morning and there would be a whispered, the woman in room seven's using hypnobirthing. And everyone really? would have a bit of a laugh yeah. about it. <gasps> Absolutely. And I remember somebody once saying, oh my God, that CD, because obviously back in the noughties, it would be a CD player. Yeah. It just keeps saying over and over again, my vagina is pink and healthy. <laughs> And of course, for a lot of people, they're like, oh no, that is not my thing. (laughs) Some people were loving it, but I do feel like calm birthing, hypnobirthing, however you want to refer to it, has evolved a lot in the last decade and a half. So much. Mm. And it's had to, hasn't it? Because women do have different expectations around birth and actually birth unfolds and manifests in so many different ways. And it's not fair Mm. for only women that are planning home births to have a positive experience. You know, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be what 
um, resembles a good experience, you should be able yeah. to have an unplanned cesarean that is a really positive, yes. empowering experience. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And actually that definitely informed how I prepared for the birth of my second son, you know, eight years later. And I really wanted a home birth again. Like I, I just really want a home birth. Um, <laughs> basically just so that I can get into bed and eat crumpets you know that's my main yeah. goal it's not even <laughs> really being at home but I was also much more open to however it went I had much less kind of prescription around what I wanted it to be and that I just knew I wanted it to be fun and joyous and I wanted to feel really well supported um, and my big thing around that was so when I had my booking appointment for my second son um, I went to Chelsea and Westminster and she said, oh, where are you having your baby? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm planning on having him at home. And she said, oh, you won't be able to have a home birth because you're high risk. And I said, why am I high risk? Hmm. And she said, well, because of your, your last section. I said, that's, that's not true. I said, I can have my baby hmm. wherever I want. And she said, well, you can put your request to a birth choices board and they'll decide. And I said, hang wow. on. I said, hang on. Um, but this was really a valuable yeah. experience as well. And no, knowing Holly, that is fighting talk. No, but I just said, um, you need to rephrase that. You need to rephrase it yeah. because what you're saying, you're telling me what your guidelines are. You're not telling me what I am and I'm not allowed to do mm -hmm. because this mm -hmm. is my baby. And um, she said, okay, then. Well, then you would be acting outside guidelines. I said, okay, that's really different that's really different yeah. to not being allowed or someone else choosing what I'm going to do. And it, it, I was really fired up after that because I thought I'm sat there as a white privileged person mm -hmm, who's mm -hmm. a professional birth educator, like yeah. the most empowered you can yeah. get. Okay. And I was thinking, what would that feel like if you weren't those things? Mm -hmm. And you've just been told that you cannot have what you want and we will not support you in that. And it Definitely. really, really informed what I take forward and try and give to women because it's it's that autonomy, isn't it? Yeah, Like, absolutely. hang on, <laughs> I'm all for you saying to me, these are the risks involved with that choice. Yeah. But don't tell me I'm not allowed to do it. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's very, it immediately takes your power away. Totally. It does. And we have to be so careful with the language, don't we? Power that we is use everything. Because we've seen it so often. Yeah. I remember one new mum holding her baby and she was the most confident new mum I think I'd seen in a long time mm. and just so instinctive and intuitive. And then her mother-in-law came in and went, oh, be careful. And it completely yeah. changed her demeanour and she suddenly was a bit bumbly and, yeah. and, and nervous. And I thought, you, you've you just completely kind yeah. of cut through mm. her natural kind confidence. of empowerment that she had. Yeah. And know? that yeah, intuition absolutely. and confidence and wisdom can be undermined in a second mm -hmm. it really you know, and it's so and, and not, it's, not always maliciously no having, you know often i mean it's, it's often well-meaning don't even mean to yeah, Definitely. yeah absolutely Definitely. i am um, when yeah. i was uh in labor with my second baby my daughter i remember that things had started at four in the morning and i was 36 weeks pregnant and i had actually planned to have a home birth holly but i ended up going in because she was a bit early mm. and they they took me in they put me on the ctg monitor i was you know i was listening to my my hypnobirthing tracks as i went onto the monitor as it tends to happen sometimes because the position i was in the the surges they lost their pattern a bit again mm. and then the the minute i got off it again i was standing up and of course they were coming they were they were lovely and regular again and the lady the midwife who was speaking to me said 
you know, I don't think this is actually labor. She said, um, I'm just going to check your observations and I'm going to send you home. And I remember in that moment going back to, you know, being in a privileged position and feeling that way. I remember Mm. I turned to her and went, okay, I didn't want to have to say this, but I'm actually a midwife. And (laughs) I actually had a baby last year because I only have 18 months between my two babies, my first two babies. And I said, this is labor. And I would like you to examine me, actually. I was eight centimeters dilated. Wow. And I want, I didn't want to (laughs) go, I told you so. But But I was just like, (laughs) but I kind of was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Oh, am I? But that that intuition though. And and Holly, I had a baby an hour later in my arms. Amazing. Good job you didn't go home. But isn't that funny though, that you in a moment can have someone say to you, no, no, you're not what you think and you feel. You're something else. Yeah. Mm. And how disarming that can be, really. Yeah. And actually, that that happens throughout our lives from a young age. Mm-hmm. And so we are constantly taught to not trust our instincts. Or we're mm. said, you know, but we know better. This, this yeah. suggests better. And actually, you are the expert in you mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. baby. And I always try and kind of empower women with, with that feeling because it is more valuable and reliable than anything. When I was pregnant with Cosmo, um, he was head down my whole pregnancy. And then I remember teaching my last hypnobirthing session and I was 37 weeks um, and Simon and I went off for a couple of nights away and he turned to breach at 37 weeks. And I remember people saying, no, he, he, ha- he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to turn the breach at this mm. point. I was like, he has, like, mm. I know he has. I can feel, I, can, I knew, knew exactly when he turned. And um, then got back and my midwife examined me she's like he's bloody breach (laughs) (laughs) and it was but it was the most peculiar thing because and that was the start of my learning with him it was funny because I had this kind of sense of confidence second time around thinking I know I'm going to get my home birth I'm I know exactly what I'm doing I'm really empowered I've got all of the research I need and all it was almost like at that point Cosmo was saying yeah but what about me Mm -hmm. like you I'm involved too. You're not totally in control. And you you almost picked up on that, didn't you? Because yeah. I remember you calling yeah. and I said, oh, well, you could try moxibustion yeah. and, you know, it's got a 80% success rate or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. And, and I remember you saying... I will try it, but I kind of feel like maybe he's got other plans. Yeah, and totally. and you you almost started kind of it was like you like you could almost sense that. Yeah, and it was it then, happened you know? in such a peculiar way that I mean the hospital were really keen to give me an ECV, which I absolutely didn't want because I thought I will try these natural ways to move him if he wants to move. So I did moxibustion, which did turn him. So he went back to head down at thirty eight weeks. And then during, when mm. I was in labour, he turned breach again. Mm. I mean, little yeah. acrobat. But I was trying at these things and I was thinking, if he's if he wants to turn, I'm giving him the permission to, I'm giving him the space to, but I'm not going to force him to. Because mm. actually, and even with the whole breach thing, you know, breach is not an abnormal position for birth. Yeah. It's a different kind of normal. Yeah. And yeah. actually, we just have created a system that isn't experienced in supporting breech mm-hmm. births because it's considered dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's only dangerous because we're losing expert, expertise in supporting it as natural. Yeah, it's yeah, And actually, it's it's funny, you, you really have to look back on birth and how mm-hmm. birth trends have changed and evolved to get the fuller picture on it. Because it's so easy to be led into thinking something's bad or wrong or mm-hmm. not normal. And actually, yeah. you have to open your eyes a bit. 
so anyway, so when yeah. I realised that he was in fact breach again, I was I decided to plan a vaginal breach at home, and I'd had I decided to hire independent midwives for this pregnancy because. I really just wanted to feel supported in what I wanted. I didn't want to feel coerced or coaxed or talked out of things. And I wanted that continuity of care, which I could see was of such value to women. I mean, especially through my teaching, you know, mm-hmm. seeing the women that had, had that caseload in care was mind blowing. It was, wasn't until my midwife, who was just amazing, she said, well, why, why don't you just have the vagina breach at home? I was like, really? Will you let me do that? And she was like, you do what you want and I'll support you. She's like, these are the risks. Amazing. But if that's what you want to do, we will fully support you in it. Mm. And it was just, I was like, wow, yeah, okay. Like I felt like I could take on the world. And I do think that, you know, the role of a midwife is so sacred. I think it is one of the most valuable sacred positions you can be in. Mm. And for them to really get to know you Mm -hmm. and support you in a way that is completely unique and personal is really magical and just one of the most empowering relationships you can have. Can I um, jump in just quickly and interject yeah, there, Holly? Yeah, do. It's interesting you should say that because I was always a caseloading midwife. Right. When I wasn't, I felt like it wasn't necessarily an industry I could stay in. To the point where I remember coming home from a shift one day, this is yonks ago now, and saying to Dan, I just don't think I can do this long term. I'm not sure it's for me. And this mm. is, by the way, after all my training and everything and going and working in a big London hospital. And mm. then a job came up for a teenage pregnancy, caseloading role. I went for it and I never looked back. The difference was unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. Because you it. must, you mean your kind of job satisfaction must be so much richer yes. because you're, you're, you're investing, aren't you? Um, And I think, you know, when you're pregnant and in labour, you're in such a position of vulnerability Mm -hmm. that you really need to feel completely safe and held by someone. And certainly with my midwife, Rini, who was just, I just felt like she had my back 24-7. It was Mm. absolutely amazing. And I knew that I would be safe whatever yeah. I chose to do. Um, I completely trusted her judgment, her, I completely trusted that she had my best interests at heart all the time, all the time. Um, and I felt like she would go above and beyond for me all the time. And it was just the most beautiful, she's actually godmother to Cosmo now oh, as well. So um, because she's, yeah. she'll be part of my life forever. She really yeah. will. She's, she is one of the people that has changed my life more than anyone. Mm. Anyway, so we we have, were on track for our home birth. We had the pool. I knew when I would have him. So we both, Simon and I have um, our older boys from our last marriages. So we've got nine and a 10 year old. So seven and eight at the time, or eight and nine. And we had them every other weekend. And I knew this baby would come on a weekend without them. I just knew <laughs> he would. And um, I think I was due on the 7th of November. And the weekend before that was the was the second and third. And I was like, he's gonna, he's coming this weekend. So I was like, no, you're not even 40 weeks yet. I was like, he's coming this weekend. I know he is. And we went for, no, it was on the Saturday morning and I woke up at like four o'clock and my waters had gone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I was right. I was like, Simon, <laughs> I was right. My waters have gone. Um, and he was like, okay, what do I need to do? And he started like kind of flapping and like, I don't know, running around the house, getting, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Um, I was like, well, I'm just going to go back to sleep. Let's just chill out. Anyway, so then the day was going on. I was having surges. We went to the woods, did a lovely long dog walk, which was amazing. Um, Lovely. It was so nice. And I felt so excited and relaxed and 
safe it was it was amazing and we'd kind of told Rooney that things were happening and she was just she was like just keep doing what you're doing and you know keep moving and relax when you need to and anyway then by the evening I think it got to about six o'clock and the surges were getting a lot stronger and I got in the bath at home and I said Simon I think you should call Rooney because she was about 45 minutes away and so she came over and um when she got there I remember saying are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I feel great. She was like, okay. She said, I'm just, I just want to take your temperature. And she took my temperature and it was really high. And she was like, you've got a really high temperature. I was like, really? I said, but I feel fine. And she was like, have you just had a bath? I said, yeah. She said, okay, maybe it's just because you've had a warm bath. She said, why don't you go and have a cool shower? Um, and then we'll take your temperature again. I said, okay. And I was still completely chilled, went and had a cool shower, came back down and my temperature had gone up more. Oh my she was goodness. Like, she was like, we're going to have to go in. She was like, I know you don't want to, but we, this isn't, it's not safe mm. for us to stay here. And in a very, again, super calm, not in a kind of panicked way. Um, she's like, but I'm going to be with you and Simon's going to be with you. And went into hospital and it just, I was like, oh, here we go again like why can't I just have my home birth and I was a bit pissed off in the car I remember just thinking a bit feeling a bit agitated thinking but I feel fine yeah. um and then we got in and the kind of um midwife there was really abrupt I always think it's a weird dynamic when you take an independent midwife into an NHS hospital there's a mm. uh, you know there's the nuances of ego a bit aren't there you know it's mm. that kind of yes we're on your turf which is which I can understand but it's all, I always think, why aren't we all just working to support yeah. this woman? Totally. It's not, a comp feel, it's not a competition. No. And yeah. I feel about, we, this is a discussion that Becky and I've had so many times about doulas and midwives as well. Yes, absolutely. Like there's this fear, oh, I'm bringing in my doula. And in, there is, a, you do get a real sort of like, you know, kickback sometimes yeah. about mm. it. Yeah. And I think to Becky when we first met, I love it when someone comes in with a doula. Yeah. Because you yeah. know that they're gonna have like fourfold TLC. Like it's just yeah. gonna be overflowing the amount of support they're gonna yeah. be having. And surely and that's goal serves everyone. To, and the goal isn't to be the most valuable contributor, is no. it? No. It's it's to be um another branch for the woman to lean on. Definitely. Absolutely. And also who wants the, the pressure of being the sole person who's responsible for this yeah. person's well-being? Yeah. I think especially I in busy London that. hospitals, it's like, yes. take the extra yeah. support. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Um, um, but sh I had this kind of, this midwife who was just very kind of panicky from the offset. She's like, well, she's got a high temperature. It might be sepsis. And she was very, she didn't explain anything in any kind of mm. calm or, you know, this is what we were a bit worried about. And it was all very panicky from the offset. Um, she was like, you know, we're going to have to do a section. And I was very Communication clear. is so important, isn't it, Holly? Totally. Like, the and, and also it was going on yours. around me. Yeah. I was like, hello, <laughs> I am yeah. in the room. Yeah. Do you want to talk it's to me? Awful. Because don't have a conversation yeah. about me over my head. It's really yeah. disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And you're we taking so much, me... don't we, about yeah. anxiety being contagious. And if someone's yes. flapping around yeah. you, totally. you can't help totally. but feel your kind of blood pressure going mm. up. Yeah. And, and again, this is as someone informed. Yeah. I can only imagine yeah, yeah. how that must feel for someone that has no idea about Definitely. what these things mean. I remember having a conversation quite early on with Rini saying, look, I don't want intervention in my labour. I'm either having this baby at home or I'm having a section. Mm -hmm. There is no in-between for me. I don't, because 
Oscar's labour was incredible. You know, I was in hospital for like four days. It was really drawn out. And I felt, I remember this feeling of exhaustion when I had him. And I didn't want to feel exhausted. And I didn't want to feel out of it. I wanted to feel present and energised from my birth. Mm-hmm. so that I could look after my baby. And I I remember saying to her, you know, I'll have a section. It's, I, I don't mind this, mm-hmm. Yeah. but I'm not being tampered with. I'm, I yeah. don't want to go in the, on the drip. I don't want to have an epidural. I don't want all of that. If this mm-hmm. is the way he wants to be born, we honour it. And mm-hmm. And I really remember, it was weird because I almost felt like he was telling me the whole time, this is how I want to be born. Mum, mum, mum. Like, can you listen? I know you really want a home birth, but I don't want to be born that way. And it was interesting because at this point he'd gone head down again. But when they started the section, he was turning breech. And they couldn't get him out because he was just wriggling up. And his cord was round his neck loads of times to the point that his earlobes were pressed up against his head. And they took like three weeks to come down. And it was like he was saying... I need to come out like this. Like this yeah. is this is the birth I want. And it was um I think you can have this kind of confidence second time round of thinking, right, I know what I'm doing this time. Mm-hmm. I know what the after kind of the postnatal period is gonna be like. And it was almost like he was resetting me, saying, This isn't the same. You need to mm-hmm. remember to listen to me. And it was mm-hmm. exactly the lesson I needed. And in hindsight, I could see that he was trying to get me to listen to be in touch with him and not just have this idea set on what I wanted it to be like because he has gone on to be the most different baby from Oscar I was saying this Mm -hmm. to Becky earlier he they couldn't be more different he's got his own way of doing things completely and it wasn't until his birth that I surrendered to that Mm -hmm. and it was the most enriching motherhood journey with him it's been I've been so much more in it and yeah. so much more of an active participant in it and so much more led by him. You know, with Oscar, I know I was I was a lot younger, but I was always looking at what other people were doing, thinking, oh God, yeah. I should do that. Oh, oh no, am I doing that wrong? Whereas mm. I, I literally have not looked at one other person since having Cosmo because my teacher's right in front of me. Yeah, Amazing. And, it's, and, and he made me learn that quickly. It was the perfect birth. It was the perfect birth for him. Mm. And you're um, the expert of your own baby. So absolutely. You, you learn that over time, don't you? you? Yeah. You get that confidence. Holly, I absolutely love your blog post about having a sacred cesarean section. Oh, thank um, you. I share it with all of the parents I teach. All of the parents That's I so teach lovely. antenatal classes. We always talk yeah. about cesarean section in our second class. I always talk about it. Because I think that, I really think it's very important for women, Becky and I talk about this, to have an A, B and C birth plan, to think about the yeah. different ways that birth can unfold, that yeah. all of those different ways are valid and special and like you yeah. say, can be incredibly enriching and empowering. So I always share that with them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
when you look back and when you were writing that blog post, what, what were those the key messages you wanted to share with other mums who would be having abdominal births, whether they knew it at the time or not? Yeah, I think for me, it was about realising they'd still given birth because yeah. we focus so much on vaginal birth that actually it's almost like having a C-section doesn't count. Mm, and it's yeah. like, no, you've, you've, your baby, you've birthed your baby a different way. You have still given birth to your baby and it's not easier, it's not harder, it's just different. And I, yeah. you know, it's again, it's something that becomes competitive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Although it's not the ideal, you know, same with yeah. breech birth. There are lots of ways for babies to be born. And I really wanted women to not feel like failures or not feel like they hadn't got this perfect birth because what is that? What is mm. it? It's, it's, it doesn't exist, does it? You can have, whether you're having a planned or unplanned abdominal birth, it can be a completely enriching empowering joyous experience yeah you are meeting your baby yeah and you are lying there surrendering to birth Mm -hmm. and that's what it is it's it's not that you're not a participant in it you are lying there waiting to meet your baby and it's i think it is the most you know i've never felt so vulnerable Mm -hmm. because you're trusting that you're going to be okay as well and you're just saying you know do what you need to do Definitely. And I've had lots of ladies who have had sections actually say, oh, I just feel like I didn't I didn't really give birth. And I direct them to your blog post because I just think it's again, it's a narrative that is changing, but it needs to change more. I think we need to kind of talk a lot more about, like you say, all the different ways. And celebrating it. Yeah, that it's not like, oh, unfortunately, I had a C-section, like owning it, like, oh, I had two abdominal births and they were brilliant. And actually, it's interesting because Rini, my midwife, afterwards she was like you know how do you feel do you, you know do you feel like you've lost something I was like no I feel like I know I got the right birth for us and she yeah. was kind of like wow that's great and that, but afterwards about a month afterwards we did a rebirth at home so we did a we recreated our home birth because I think what I what I the sense of grief I had from my home birth was things like being in the pool or having our music playing it was those things that maybe you can't have when you have an abdominal birth and she was like okay so let's recreate the the elements you did want at home and we actually waited to give Cosmo his first birth until we rebirthed him so we got in the bath um and Rini and Annie our midwives were there it's funny because Simon was like, do I need, am I going to get in the bath? And I was like, yeah. He's like, should I, should I put trunks on? I was like, yes, put trunks on. <laughs> what are you talking about? We don't do man bits. <laughs> he's like, right, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. And he's like, is it not going to be weird? I was like, no, it's going to be beautiful and sacred. He was like, okay. And he was really nervous. It was so funny. Um, but actually we had our playlist on. We got in the bath and then Rini gave us Cosmo and he had his first bath with us. And afterwards we had bacon sandwiches and champagne in the kitchen like we'd always planned to. And it was just, it was just luscious. And and actually it was really nice to have that celebration afterwards. It was almost like this kind of ritual. So another thing I'd really advise is, you know, if you do feel like you didn't get the birth you want, try and identify what you're mourning from it. Because mm. actually, it's probably not your baby coming out of your vagina. Yeah. It's probably yeah. more a sense of how you might have felt or a sense of um, your environment or whatever it was. And actually look at how you can recreate that, you know, and That's acknowledge, acknowledge the kind of loss and grief around it, yeah. but then yeah. top yourself up with it. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. 
So we love your Yes Mum cards, obviously, because we stock them at the mother box. <laughs> what inspired you to create your range of affirmation cards and what are your favourite ones? Do you have any favourites that you like live your day to day by? Particular affirmations or the ranges, do you mean? Or both? Uh, particular affirmations, I think. So my favourite affirmation as a mother is each day I learn and grow as a mother. That's my all time yeah. favourite because it is, you can never know you can never have done all of the work, can you? It's like an ongoing process. And actually yeah. your child is teaching you something every day. That's the biggest thing. I think often when you're pregnant, you have this idea of the kind of mother you're going to be mm-hmm. or think, oh, well, I'll do things like that or they won't watch TV or you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. And then you realise that you can't parent until you've got a child that's showing you what they need. Absolutely, and, yes. And that was like, oh, okay, so you're my teacher, you're my master and I kind of am just going to learn from you (laughs) so yeah each day I learn and grow as a mother that it's a constant evolving journey I think is is really empowering and I created them because I found doing hypnobirthing when I was pregnant first time you know we used affirmations a lot and they really helped me I remember the affirmation birth is safe and I was like oh is it (laughs) because again it's not the narrative (laughs) is it that we have no and actually resetting that and saying yeah birth is a safe empowering experience it does create a shift in your subconscious so I could very quickly see the value of them and then when I'd had Oscar, I thought, oh, it's, it's a shame there's nothing like that for afterwards, you know, mm. for breastfeeding or for parenting or, you know, any of those things, any of those hurdles. I was like, well, I'll make some. And so I, did, I started creating affirmations for motherhood and then gifting them just to, to women I taught hypnobirthing to. And they were like, oh, wow, this is a really nice way to continue what we've kind of been practicing. And then I just kind of added more ranges on as we went because, I mean, who isn't going to benefit from a positive affirmation? Yeah, it's, you can And you can apply them to anything, anything you're feeling stuck with. I think it's always a block in your subconscious. Nine times out of 10, it's something you can yeah. unpick and reset. Yeah. If somebody doesn't know what an affirmation is, Holly, could you just yes. just briefly sort of talk us through what an affirmation is? So essentially, it's a positive statement that affirms a belief. Um, yeah. So it... And it's the, the way they're used is that we ha- we have narratives logged in our subconscious, like I'm not mm. good enough or, you know, I'm tired all the time or, and that becomes our reality. And often it is just subconscious programming. So affirmations are a way to reset the narrative that's there and make us feel, behave, think, experience the world differently. Um, and they c- create that. amazing positive shifts. I mean, if you told yeah. me 10 years ago, I'd be using positive affirmations, I would have laughed of laughed my head off (laughs) and they've changed my life because language is one of the most powerful tools we have I really do believe that yeah Um, and my kids love them because I got the mini range you know your your kids range yeah and I was I knew that they'd like them but I was surprised by how much they use them actually yeah and they would have them I remember actually once you coming round for a cup of tea and you were like did you put those up on purpose because they would blue tag them do you remember and I was like no I promise you (laughs) yeah quick kids get your affirmation cards up but I was like they they loved them so much that they were all around their bedroom and they'd like leave a little one on my pillow and it's like they became a kind of tokens aren't they yeah it was amazing yeah to yourself and you know I often put one in Oscar's book bag or you know stuff like that because also I think for children as well it's very empowering because they can pick their own when they're old enough they can look through and find what they need Mm, and often we don't know what we need until it's in front of us yeah and actually if you see like one of the kids ones I love is um I have friends who like me because I'm me and how often in childhood do you you know you see kids trying to impress each other or change how they behave to impress or get the friendship of others and it's like you don't need to do that 
Like, and it was good insight as a mum as well, because sometimes the ones that they chose or the ones that they put up that obviously were really like, resonating with them at the time yeah. was not necessarily something that I knew was going yes. on for them because yeah. a lot of it's so internal, isn't yeah. it? So it was it was great because I was like, ah, clocked that. Yeah, right, it's we'll insightful. We'll about that later. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. And it's a way of nurturing yourself, whatever age you are, whatever, you know, man, woman, whatever. Mm. It's, you know, they're applicable to everyone in everything. Yeah, definitely. I really Absolutely. believe that. And we're taking this one step further because, of course, you wrote your wonderful book, which your first book that you had, Your Baby, yes. Your Birth. Your Baby, Your Birth. And I think we can mention that you've been writing again. Yes, yes. So my Actually, second book is out. Can you, can you tell out. us a little yes, bit about your yes. second book? So my second birth, my second birth, my second book is like a birth, isn't it? <laughs> Feels a bit like birth, doesn't <laughs> I'd, it? I'd probably rather do birth. It's much easier. Uh, that's out next year, next spring. And that is called Motherhood Your Way. So that is, it's about finding your instinct and your intuition, turning down the outside noise, applying kind of the mm. hypnobirthing approach to motherhood the first year, yeah. really, because I think we often prepare so much for pregnancy and birth and then we're left holding a baby thinking, okay, now I'll just look back to what everyone else is doing. It's like, no, yeah. stay on your own path. Stay, you know, stay learning, stay present. And um, it's a lot easier said than done. So hopefully it's full of tools to kind of help with that. I love that. Yeah. And knowing you, you, I'm always quite in awe of how calm and intuitive you are as a parent. <laughs> like, it, you know, That's you a are. kind thing to say. Um, is that something that came naturally or have you sort of worked at that? Like, have you oh, read lots of books or done courses? It's been or? a huge unlearning and relearning. Huge. Yeah. Oh, it's been, it's probably been the hardest thing I've ever done, parenting. I think it's yeah. I think you have to put so much active work into it and I you know we talk about intuition as if it should just come naturally but we have to create the space for it to come naturally and we we're not raised in a society mm. that facilitates that we're not we yeah. are raised in a society that sells us stuff that tells us we're not good enough that tells us we're too fat that tells us we're not um that we need to buy stuff to make our lives better and actually mm. it's very hard to get away from that mm. and so for Definitely. me parenting has been about scrubbing out what I thought it was meant to be like and working out the kind of parent I wanted to be and what my child needed from me and actually not just repeating patterns a lot of the time we think well I'll just do what my parents did you know my parents were great but I don't want to do everything the same as them and so that requires yeah. you to strip stuff back and decide how you do want to do it. Um, yeah, so actually, you know, I, I, I do like to think of myself as a calm parent, but I've certainly, that doesn't mean I find it easy. Yeah. Um, and I find it hugely stressful at times, um, especially having quite a big age gap and then both having such different needs, you know, having a one year old yeah. and a nine year old. I was going to ask you that actually, Holly, because you're so positive. You're such a positive person, but you are only human. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, yeah but you're really a human kind. being. You're a human being. I'm going to come again. <laughs> <laughs> and being a human is obviously your saving grace as it is as all of us, really. But I think we also love the way that even though you do put positive and, and empowering spin on things you will also mm. say that hey listen guys like life is hard sometimes yeah challenges are thrown your way and yeah. I, I we just wondered whether thinking about your parenthood journey your parenting journey the peaks and pits really like what would you say are some of the highs and lows that you have experienced I don't think it's particularly visible stuff I think it's the little things when your child mm. tells you something that really means a lot to them or confides in you or shares a fear and you're just like wow you feel safe enough to tell me that 
I'll take yeah. that. That's yeah. a high. It's not kind of, for me, it's not big stuff. It's never been yeah. big stuff. It's the nuances of day-to-day life and that deep, deep connection that mm-hmm. only you have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's taken me a long time to get there. A lot of therapy, you know, I've been ther- in therapy for years and I think you have to have a space if you really want to work through stuff, you mm-hmm. have to be able to do it in quite a full way. It's not enough to just think, oh yeah, that's a bad habit. I'll stop doing that. It's too difficult. Yeah. We really have mm-hmm. to feel and be supported in that. And it, it can be quite painful. And you realise things about yourself and think, wow, I don't want to do that anymore. So for yeah. me, the highs and lows have been, the lows have been when I realise I'm in a cycle that I don't want to be in, mm-hmm. where I'm sometimes will like, shame them into doing something by mm-hmm. saying like oh come on you know don't why are you taking so long you're not four you know stuff like that mm-hmm. and I just think oh mm-hmm. don't do that that's ugly it's yeah. horrible I don't need to I, I don't want to be that mum but it's so easy isn't it mm-hmm. we all we all yeah. easily fall into it because we want some we want action <laughs> and so that's a very quick yeah. tool for getting it but then I think the highs are realizing that I don't want to do that and thinking okay how do I how do I unpick this how do I find a different way yeah. of communicating? So yeah, it's they're the highs and lows for me. The the recognizing the the kind of more toxic bits and unpicking them and finding Brilliant. better ways, I guess. Um I love that. Yeah. If you could go back and have a chat with the first time mum you, what would you tell her? I would tell her to slow down. Yeah. I was in such a rush to do everything. Everything get out, go to classes, meet friends for coffee, join a baby gym group, go to postnatal exercise classes. Oh, it's tiring just listing it off. Mm, I was in such a rush to show that I was coping. Yeah. Um, and to be out in the world again. I was in a rush to go back and I would tell her that there is no going back. You're just going forward and it's it looks different. You know, I took such a different approach second time round and it benefited me and Cosmo so much. I had a much easier feeding journey because I put no pressure on myself whatsoever. Mm. Um, you know, whereas first time, I think when Oscar was maybe three or four days old, I was out in a cafe trying to breastfeed him. I mean, but that's the narrative, isn't it? And and we yeah. we talk a lot about this in our workshops, me and Alexis, that our narrative is that you're doing well if you're in full makeup and out walking the dog or yeah. like lunching at the tape or whatever, yeah. you know, day three, four. Whereas when you go and train abroad in other cultures where the the postnatal period is sacred, yeah. you know, you're doing well if you're in bed relaxing and feeding Absolutely. your baby and you're and you're congratulated and celebrated and, and yeah, actually and supported. And bollocked if you're not, right? You yeah. get told off yeah. and sent home to bed. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's not congratulated at all. In fact, people give you weird looks if you're yeah. out, you know, when you've just had a young baby so we really yeah, do need second to time sort of... round with Rooney she was like I do not want to see you down these stairs yeah you know she was <laughs> and she'd given and it was funny because she's I remember her saying to Oscar mummy is only allowed to get up to go to the toilet you do not <laughs> let her get up if she needs something you need to you need to help and Amazing. um it was because I didn't I mean I didn't go downstairs for at least two weeks yeah I was just in bed and it was it was I cannot explain how different it was but we almost need permission don't we I think because we live such fast-paced lives yeah. and I've often sat beside a woman I, I remember once a lady who was really struggling with breastfeeding and she was it, it just wasn't working they tried everything and sometimes you know I don't know what was happening it just wasn't working for them and I said what do you need what do you need yeah. right now and she said I need permission to stop 
you know yeah, and it was yeah. almost like we give ourselves such yeah. a hard time don't well, we also because we have this show up culture don't we mm. you know it doesn't matter if you're ill go to work like yeah just show up you know you're you're being lazy you're being weak you're being lame if you don't and actually yeah. that is such an unhealthy dialogue around how we take care of ourselves and I do yeah. want to kind of add here that I do appreciate that it's a very privileged position to be able to sit in bed for two weeks I do appreciate that um mm. you know I know not everyone can do that you know if you've got lots of children that are younger to look after that if you're a single parent you know I know that that isn't readily available for everyone but yeah. even if it's around the pressure we put on ourselves and the support we ask for I think there are lots of ways that we can prioritize our recovery because you are recovering definitely, and I don't think definitely. it's seen often enough as a recovery and I think maybe that's it's more so for women that have had abdominal births because you know people do realize you're recovering from major surgery or whatever I mean you literally can't get up but it should be for all births you know yeah. your body has grown a baby for nine months and then birthed it and then you're expected to be at the shop the yeah, next day it's like definitely it's it's such a and and it's a, a wider problem isn't it it says we need to start creating a society that enables and facilitates that and actually yeah. promotes it and celebrates it and it is the small stuff isn't it like yeah. you say so food um yeah exactly and we do in our workshops we do postnatal plans and we, we yeah. say okay you're right not everybody can take to bed yeah you know, we always do first week in bed first week second yeah. week on the sofa but not everybody can do that we're like but what are the little things that you can yeah. put in place now while you're still pregnant for the like so can you switch to online orders could yeah. could you get some people to drop you like every thursday your dinner or something you yeah. know and actually everybody can put a little something in place yeah, small no matter shifts. what your situation yeah and and on the other side you know and and the, the trick is obviously to do it while you're still pregnant yeah. because on the other side you're a bit you know in a haze yeah. of the, the new parenting but yeah it is all the little things and that leads me on to the other question which was becoming a new parent is overwhelming yeah. and you know we talk about this a lot what would be your sort of top tips that you would say to a new mum um, for the postnatal period with all your kind of knowledge that you use? I think not rushing anything, be it decisions, be it activity, whatever it is, I think taking your time is really important. Um, mm. Stepping aside from an image of what you think it should look like, I think is really important. And actually yeah. being prepared to respond to your body's needs because you may not recover as quickly as you think you will. You may recover quicker than you think you will. Yeah. And until you're there, I think we have to become versed in listening to our bodies and responding to their needs, knowing when you've done too much and thinking, you know what, I shouldn't have done that today. Tomorrow I'm staying in bed or I'm or I'm going to have an early yeah. night or whatever it is. I remember when Cosmo was a few months old. Oh God, I remember this day so vividly. I took... I wanted to take Oscar because I was feeling a bit bad that I hadn't done stuff with him. So I took him and Cosmo to Kid Zania. Oh, Kid Zania. Wow, I mean, that's intense at the best oh, of times. Oh my God, it was just the worst day ever. I was talking about the highs and lows of parenting. That was a pretty low day. And and also I tried to combine it with taking something back in Zara. And we all know what a Zara returns queue is like. And Cosmo was screaming and people were saying, oh, shouldn't you, you know, shouldn't you feed him? And I was just thinking, 
oh my god what am i doing here and then we were we were stuck in a road closure on the way home cosmo still hates the car he screamed the whole way oscar was crying because cosmo was screaming it was just one of those days i felt battered i felt absolutely battered i feel like i'd been to war and i got home and my old self would have thought right dust myself off tomorrow i'll be fine it's a new day whereas i was like right i'm not getting out of bed tomorrow that was too traumatic and i i just slept i went to bed really early i went to bed at like six o'clock and i just watched netflix in bed the next day because i was like i need a recovery period from that horrendous experience um so i think it's that isn't it my advice for the postnatal period would be rather than preempting what you think you're going to need learning to respond to what you feel you need at the time um yes being responsive rather than yeah. necessarily reactive or with yourself as well absolutely. because we, we focus so much on the baby right yeah but we absolutely. need to be responsive to our own yeah and also to practice well. asking what for what you need because i think again mm. you know especially in our culture it's people come over to see the baby don't they and they want to hold yeah. the baby and it's like who's holding the mum? what's what's yeah. anyone doing for her and i think um, um, I talk a bit in my book actually about asking, thinking about what you might need postnatally and having those conversations when you're pregnant saying, you know what, could, yeah. you know, could you make me a meal for the freezer or could you take my other child to school that day? Or just having yeah. these conversations about asking for help early on and getting over the shame around it, because it doesn't mean that you're not yes. good enough or that you're not coping. It means that you're doing something really hard and it would be beneficial for you to have support or help in doing so. Yeah. And we go back to, we talk a lot, don't we, about actually it's an honour to be asked Absolutely. to help somebody. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you get a real like, oh, yeah. they've asked me and you, yeah. you feel good about it. Well, I remember it, when so you came over that after I had Cosmo and you gave me a postnatal yeah. massage. And I remember you texted me kind of early on saying, you know, um, really think about if you feel okay with me coming over you know I know it's like a sacred time I was like no I really want you to come over and it's like that's <laughs> that shows that I really trust you and feel safe with you yeah and actually yeah that that's that's a value isn't it yeah totally and again you you then open the doorway for a reciprocal you know so so you ask me for help I can ask you for yeah, help you absolutely. know it, it creates yeah. that sort of yeah. um, narrative doesn't it totally. and I wish I wish more women would lean on each other definitely, you know, in that way definitely even and, and also as as your children grow it's not just for newborns is it you know being mm, able to say god mm, I'm, I'm no. having a really hard time can you help me please you know i've yeah. i found a wonderfully supportive group of mums th- this time around who you know we really listen to each other and help each other or even if it's just yeah. that we're we can hold a space for each other and it is it has been a real game changer there's no judgment. Yeah, We're all doing things differently. Tribe, don't yeah, you? absolutely. Yeah. But there's no like, oh, well, my baby's doing this. And it's, I hate that. I hate it. And yeah. of course, like everyone knows yeah, mums yeah. like that, don't they? Where it's just a constant brag or like, you know, yeah. if only you were doing it as well as me, which I just, yeah. I think it's so damaging. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes you don't need a fix. You just need someone to say, wow, that sounds really tough. And it's like, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, and actually, a lot of the time, that is all absolutely. you need, right? To go, God, that's shit. Yeah, you don't need a fix. <laughs> and you're like, yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, thanks for listening. <laughs> you just want to be heard, totally. don't you? And validate yeah. it. Yeah. And not yeah. be convinced that oh, that isn't amazing. how you're feeling or, or whatever. Holly, we finish every podcast episode oh, no. with the same question revised. that we ask all <laughs> guests. <laughs> if you could add a note to a mother box headed out for a new mother with your best bit of advice on it, what would it say? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, your way is the right way. That's what it would yes. say. Um, 
you know, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. You know you're better. You know your baby better than anyone else. Trust that feeling in your gut and you won't go far wrong. It's got to come back to that intuition, hasn't it, Holly? Yeah, it has. And actually that it might be hidden away. Often our intuition is because we've been taught not to trust it, but it is there. And it's that, you know, it takes practice. It's like a muscle you need to exercise. And that means turning Mm. down outside noise. I mean, with my first experience with Oscar, I Googled everything. Mm. I went on Mumsnet. I read what everyone else was doing. With Cosmo, I mean, I didn't leave the house for three months. I didn't speak to, I didn't like speak to any other. I didn't do any mum groups. It was just so different. Because I was like, I just need to do this my own way. And that's easier if I'm not constantly dipping into other people's experiences. For me, I know that's different for everyone. I feel like evolution has sort of, evolution has paved the way. But like you said earlier, the noise that surrounds us these days paves over that almost. It does. And I think you have to be really critical in seeing what the agenda behind the noise is. Is it to sell me something? That's what I always ask myself. Like, I mean, baby sleep, for instance, is one of the topics I hate most. I mean, whenever I do a QA and a on Instagram, how do I get my baby to sleep? Babies aren't meant to sleep. They they just don't (laughs) because they sleep like babies. They're not meant to sleep like adults. And it's this obsession, isn't it? And there's so much that can be sold to you to help your baby sleep, like different blankets and different white noise machines. It's like if we just accepted that babies don't sleep like adults, we wouldn't need to buy any of this stuff. But because we're sold this idea that, you know, they're good if they're sleeping for long periods, it's totally screwed yeah. up. Yeah. So it would be that noise, oh, you know, like what's that. the agenda behind this noise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So turn the noise down. Turn the noise and down. And um, do it your yeah, way. tune in your internal GPS. I've yes. talked about that a lot in the book and exercising that muscle. And often that can be, you know, through doing something creative or reading or, you know, something that really slows you down and um, mm. puts you back in touch with your own joy, your own your own fire in your belly. That's where you feel it, isn't it? Love it. Oh, love, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to pleasure. us today. It's pleasure, pleasure. So it really feels nice. wonderful to be here. Thank you, Holly, such yes. a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks once again to the wonderful Holly for joining us today and sharing her awesome wise ways with us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do, look out for our books, The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and The Little Book of Self-Care for Mums-to-Be, where we will talk further about birth, parenthood, relationships and much more. Join us again next week for more chats with another amazing guest. Do let us know what you thought over on Instagram and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.